Welcome to Heroic Hearts Podcast, where we will explore the heroic journeys of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese of Lisieux to heal, inspire, and re-enchant our own hearts. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of Heroic Hearts. Hello, Walter. Season 2. Hello, Amy. How are you doing? We're moving ahead. This this is incredible to me. Season one was was a wonderful journey. It was long. We we came through some uh, real trials, but uh, I believe we did so joyfully. And and now here we are about to start season two. Well, we really appreciate the the listeners and hope that they really enjoyed it. We appreciate some of the the positive feedback and, and uh, yeah, it was, um, it's a big story. So, you know, season one and Joan of Arc, it's, it's, uh, it's a big story. It's not easy to tell, uh, in a short period of time, but, uh, sure was edifying fun. It was, it was inspirational. I know for me just to be able to sit and do it. So that's fantastic. And season two is, uh, uh, boy, this is, this is going to keep you on your toes because it's going to be a little bit of it's going to be the same, but yes. different. <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, that means. So um, before we get into that, just uh, a couple of announcements. Um, so between seasons, we have switched over our podcasting platform to Substack. And um, it should be transparent to most of our listeners. But those who are new, we do want to invite you to subscribe to Substack. And, and we can be found at www dot heroic hearts dot substack dot com and our old website still redirects so that was heroic dash hearts dot com both of those will take you to our substack page where you can subscribe and there you'll get all of our um, episodes in your inbox so that that's really nice and convenient of course if you're subscribed on apple podcast or spotify or one of those others you'll still get them there so um the the nice thing about being subscribe to us on Substack is that you can get any other bonus um, materials or, or um, things that we'll send out. So, and, and we do like to uh, be able to chat and comment with, with our listeners, or our readers. So. Uh, well, well, you can thank Amy for uh, the beautiful site because I didn't do the work <laughs> she did and that's why it looks so good, <laughs> but thank you, Amy, for getting it set up and transferred over like that. My pleasure. Well, let's share some enchanting moments because uh, that's uh, that's something that we continue to reflect on in our lives. It's it's a nice moment to. Well, why don't why don't you? I'll I'll uh, jump in to um, uh, uh, push you off the cliff first. Okay. Why don't you go first? All right. Well, my enchanting <laughs> moment today is about celebrating um, celebrating with with another person. And, and being able to find joy wow. in somebody else's joy. So we have a priest at my parish, Father Tuan. He's from Vietnam, and he's a delightful, wonderful priest. And he has been, he came to the United States to attend seminary, to learn English, first of all, attend seminary, and then become a priest. And so he's a, he's a missionary priest from Vietnam. And he has not been home, or he had not been home in 14 years, hadn't seen his parents in 14 years. And so he finally was able to go home this last month. And today he returned. And at mass this morning, he shared the stories from his visit home and just the joy he experienced in being reunited with 
his mother. And I just thought, you know, I, I was so happy for him and so happy that, that I could share in this, in that moment with him um, and be able to celebrate it. You know, not just me, but all, all of us as a parish community celebrating the joy of one of our members it, because of the sacrifices he's made to be our priest. Such a tremendous sacrifice wow. to give up. Well, it, it actually is a connection with St. Therese because she, she wanted to be a, she wanted to be a missionary, at least in her heart. And she, that's where she wanted to be a missionary. Also, and there, there, there's, um, you know, there are some Vietnamese priests who have had quite a devotion to St. Oh, Therese. Oh, wow. It, it, it also yeah. prayed so for she, priests. So that was special. Yeah. She, she wanted to, she wanted to go and be a, a missionary over in, um, uh, sort of French Indochina. So that's, that's my moment, just experiencing true joy because somebody else had been blessed. Wow. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Uh, You know, my, my enchanting moment is um, uh, probably a little, uh, you know, less sort of communal, I think than that, but because I probably had a couple really that over the last uh, week or two, but one of mine actually related to the new season that we're doing. And as um, you know, the listener knows, or will find out we're reading through uh, we're using Heather King's book, sure to flame as a guide to go through and talk about the life of uh, St. Therese. And I read the book a long time ago when it came out and the whole point was that Heather did a, a year, basically a year, sort of took a year with St. Therese, you know, like a, a retreat. And what it did was it inspired me uh, because, as the listeners know, you know, we've been talking about St. Joan and St. Therese, and I have a great devotion to both of them. And it inspired me to put together a, a loose program for a year with St. Joan and St. Therese. Um, so Heather King's, us getting started in season two really gave me an inspiration that's been very exciting and very motivating for me to say that uh, even though we're even though we're going to do this much more quickly uh, in the season, but I want to take time and make that sort of renewal uh, year long retreat kind of like kind of like Heather did. So uh, it's so it's been a it's been a great great inspiration. That's yeah. exciting. That's exciting. I would love to do a retreat for a year. I, I mean, I would love to do this sort of project that we're doing um, for the next year, but we that that might take a little bit too much time um, from for our listeners. So we're just gonna get through. Well, what, it, what what it really means? Yeah, what it really means for me, I think, is is that uh, I think more than anything is focusing uh, my reading and my and and my my meditation because it's easy to get kind of strung out. So we have our we have our sort of universal devotions and our you know, if you do the Christian prayers or liturgy of the hours and and of course the sacramental life which is essential. Uh, so we have all of the the universal, but it can be easy to get strung out and, um, and and like you, Amy, I like to read, so I'm always reading this, that, and the other. And so what it what it does is just a program that'll help focus me to say, you know, do your thing, you know, read, but here's what we want to focus right. on. Let's focus on St. Therese. Let's focus on St. Joan. And let's, let's kind of make sure that we're moving forward and not just, you know, um, you know, uh, flying around, uh, you know, look from one thing to another. So hopefully it's it'll a keep way to focused. anchor your spiritual life a little bit. So some of those emotional practices. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, Walter, would you, um, give, would you give our opening prayer? 
Sure. So we have the uh, we have the heroic hearts prayer that I will uh, read for you right now. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, form in us missionary hearts, hearts that burn to spread your faith, heroic hearts of the cross, wanting always and everywhere to bear witness to you. Make us ready to suffer to show our love. And like our sisters, St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese, grant us the desire to conquer for you all the hearts of the universe. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Walter. Well, we were talking a little bit before the recording today about how St. Therese's journey, her heroic heart's journey, is going to look much different than St. Joan's. Because with St. Joan, you've got a story and you've got a you've got these historical milestones that are very um they're they're very pronounced. You know, they're they're these big events and and these it, it, on the political scene, things were happening. For Therese, it's different because what you have is is a is a um, I almost said a small life. It's not small by any means, but it was a a life that was hidden, and and so yeah. her journey is more. It's happening on an interior landscape, and so, yeah, so yes, it's, it's, it's much. Yeah, it's much more interior. Well, okay, let, let's back up just a little bit. Joan's life was very interior, so we don't we don't want to, you know, we, it, it's really more of a contrast, I think, between Joan, who we know and see as a very active, you know, military leader and 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 all that, but she did obviously have a very strong interior life. Therese, on the other hand, we have really the the, the opposite that, that's that's flipped because in Therese's life we have a uh, we have a young somewhat sheltered, um, you know, French girl in Normandy who, uh, was loved by her family and she entered Carmel at an early age and became a Carmelite nun and hardly anyone knew her. And she died at 24. And there were, there were no King, there were no coronations of Kings or anything like that. And, and so it's kind of a, it's kind of like flipping, inverting a little bit and seeing Therese as really that that interior piece that maybe didn't always shine forth when we're talking the story of, of, jo- of Joan of Arc, even though it's there. Um, and so to some degree, and you know how I, I, I feel, and not just me, but I think you know, many people can see these two as really saint, saintly sisters, really spiritual sisters. And I think many people recognize yes. that. Uh, most everyone, you, we've seen the pictures, right? We've seen St. Therese with the dress and the sword and doing the play and her play of Joan of Arc that she wrote as a pious recreation for the Carmelites. And and so to some degree, I, I oftentimes think that t- Therese is a reflection of that interiority of these two sisters. And 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 Joan is, is more of the, ex- we see more of the exteriority. So uh, th- that's what's going to make. That's what I meant. I think in the beginning, Amy, when I said it's going to be the same but different, <laughs> and and yeah. the same but different as well is that we're reading a book to help us through um, through this story. And this book is Heather King's Shirt of Flame, um, a book that came out a little over ten years ago, and is about is about Saint Therese and the spiritual life, um, but also about 
those the struggles that that many of us go through. Well, this is a great book, for lack of uh, lack of, 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 of better words. But you know, really, I think it's it's just it's so well done. And I did, Amy. I, I read it. Um, I checked my Amazon. Said I said I downloaded it in 2011. Yeah, so, here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I, I think that was right when yes, it came out. Probably. I think it came out right around that time, in in 2011. And, and I and I obviously wanted to read it because of my devotion to Saint uh, Therese. And, and and it was a powerful book at the time. Um, and and now that we've we're, we've been through so much. Um, and I've been through so much over the past decade that we are circling around and using the book for this. It is delightful to re- to reread this book, and I see it the same but different. I see it the same but a, a, a slightly different perspective. And uh, she does. Um, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. I think that probably the biggest benefit of of this book, and maybe the biggest gift skill, whatever that Heather King brings is helping to make Therese accessible yes. to us. Sure. Um, Cause that's, that's always the struggle, right? With Therese is we love her, but she's so perfect. <laughs> or she seems a little bit like, like uh, how we felt about St. Joan. Um, and, and so many of our listeners are probably familiar with Heather King, but I'll just say a few words about her. So she is a, a writer. She calls herself a memoirist. Um, she leads workshops, writing workshops, and she's known largely to the Catholic community. Many people who get the um, Magnificat magazine with the daily mass readings um, will see her column there. Um, she's got a wonderful blog, which we'll go ahead and link in our show notes. She's just a a person of great insight, great humility. You know, she's very open about her struggles in life. And, and we'll be talking about those um, as we go through the season. Um, you know, she struggled with alcoholism and, and just other, you know, the other things that, that so many of us struggle with. And she's open about it. And um, but but she's always seeking after God. She loves the sacramental life. I'd say she's uh, and she would say um, that she's a contemplative living in the modern world. And I think, yeah. I think uh, many of us that, you know, can, can resonate with that. Well, you, you just said it so, uh, so well, Amy, and, and she's um, to compliment uh, her, her further, I think it, it impressed me. And I think impresses a lot of people that she, you know, she, she did, she, she did have her, her struggles she talks openly about being, you know, alcoholism and, and, and all these different struggles and uh, guess what? We're all struggling out there in a lot of different ways, in very severe ways. And so uh, what she does really, she, her stories are not self-indulgent. They're, they're, they're brutally honest. They're clear, but they're written with specific points and they're not self-indulgent, which is, is really good. And the other thing she does is she combines that with um, showing us a little bit of reality of Therese beyond the halo, you know, floating in heaven with a halo kind of thing. She shows us the reality of Therese without impugning her sanctity, you know, and, and I think, I think that's, it's really quite brilliant the way that it's written. And I think that's why it's such a successful book and is well worth using as a guideline to talk about St. Yes. Therese. So, 
there are 12 chapters in this book and each one is dedicated to a month. So that's why it's called A Year with St. Therese because in each month she focuses on a different theme. And we're going to try to work through these um, maybe about two chapters at a time. We'll see how it goes. So the first, um, you know, she starts in January and it's called Early Loss. And the theme is on facing ancient grievances. And so in this chapter, she's talking about Therese as a, as a very small child and some of those um, those early wounds that she that she suffered and that that caused her trials as a as a as a young girl. Well, you know, and, and I might, if I if I can, just use this as a little bit of a segue into um, uh, this first uh, opening chapter and the description that you just gave as to my own introduction to uh, Saint Therese, and 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 I think one of, one of the the you know challenges for me was, you know, I'm a convert. I converted to the church uh, way back in the middle eighties. And, uh, it all, it all came about because my wonderful wife, Josie, uh, she, t- <laughs> I, I want, I was, I, I didn't really care about anything. I was a Protestant or whatever, or just a whatever. And I just was kind of out of college and just wanted to get on with life. So I was kind of in that stage where a lot of people are and and uh, so I met Josie and I, and I finally popped a big question to her and um, she was so she was so beautiful about it. Now, she had been wanting to marry me, by the way. So it wasn't a this was something that had been going on for quite a while. So she had been wanting to marry me. And uh, but she was very clear. She said, uh, I'm Catholic. I'll always be Catholic. All of our kids will be Catholic and you'll have to attend the Catholic church with the family. She said, other than that, you can be whatever religion you want, you know. And I was like, so I, now me, I stopped with, I'll marry you. I like the whole sort of if, so I, 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 I thought, wait a minute. She just said she would marry me. So I, anyway, make a long story short, I ended up in RCIA, uh, right of Christian initiation for adults to take classes for the Catholic church. But the reason I give that little bit of an intro is because that was really my intro to St. Therese. When I went to the RCIA classes, uh, the, the first thing that I, uh, came across was the Hail Mary, which I absolutely fell in love with. I, I have to confess to people, a lot of people wouldn't be able to believe this, but I grew up in a very Protestant area and I'd never heard the Hail Mary, or if I had, I hadn't paid any attention to it. And when they said the Hail Mary, I absolutely fell in love with it. I said, I, I can't, this is such a beautiful prayer. But anyway, on the feast day of St. Therese, a few classes after that, on the feast day of St. Therese, I had that moment of conversion uh, to, to the church and it was on her feast day. So I, I always attribute that. I don't think that was by by accident. And then later, after I did join the church uh, that next Easter, uh, we were in a bookstore and I was looking for different books and I was looking for, you know, very manly type. I wanted Aquinas and Augustine, City of God. I wanted the big stuff. And I came across this little book with a little nun holding roses. Why I was attracted to that, I have no idea. That was not the kind of you know, crusader manly type stuff that I was looking for. And I couldn't help it. I immediately picked it up. I looked at it and I kept it and I, and I bought it. I said, I've got to read this. And so when I, when I did read it, I was immediately drawn in. So St. Therese was drawing me in from, you know, really the very beginning from my conversion on her feast day. And when I read her book, what I did realize was that I said, what she's saying is beautiful. I don't understand what she's saying, but I know that what she's saying is beautiful and true. And that was really my intro to, to St. Therese. 
And it's, I think it's precisely because uh, of that. Now, why would I, what did I have in common with St. Therese? I mean, nothing. I mean, I couldn't figure out, like, I'm some guy, I, I was, you know, I was an athlete in school and a secular and, and just wanted to go drink beer and, you know, just, you know, I just a typical old guy. And I went to these Catholic classes because that's what I had to do to marry my wife. And, um, what kind of connection do I have with St. Therese? There was, there was none. And yet I had this very, very deep connection with her. And so the rest of much of my life then was trying to understand what this connection was. And that draws me back to what I originally said, Amy, about Heather, is that it, it, it struck me because even though Heather and I have very different backgrounds, I went through a lot of struggles myself. I don't, I mean, I don't know who hasn't, but I went through a lot of, lot of struggles uh, myself. And Heather came along as somebody who also struggled, also couldn't figure out what the connection was between her and, and Therese. And yet she's able to, um, you know, enunciate it, to spell it out for us very clearly. And so that's really kind of, I think the groundwork for me, Amy, was I can identify with why St. Therese. She was she, she was this young girl and she was pampered and she went to be in a Carmel Carmelite monastery and she seemed so good. And that was like, not my story at all. <laughs> and uh, so it's very intriguing. Therese, that's, so St. Therese touches she's, us all. She's an enigma in that way because even from, you know, um, just a, a few years after her death, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to World War One, which which is when I think her her cult really kind of took off. Like the soldiers in the battlefields were so attracted to her. And again, it's like you're saying, yeah. why why would that be? Why would this cloistered nun, this young woman, you know, who who only lived to the age of 24, why would she have such a great attraction um, for so many different types of people? And yeah, it's a well, she well, she she. She had a very strong devotion to St. Joan of Arc, and she's actually the one that kind of introduced me to St. Joan of Arc. And uh, there's a Carmelite commentary on her that says that she had stated at one point that uh, the knowledge of Joan of Arc, she considered to be one of the greatest graces she ever had. So there's definitely a spirit. And she wrote the pious recreations uh, for the community, the plays, and they were about uh, Joan of Arc. So the reason that that's why, Amy, we've kind of heroic hearts has been this combination because there's this real relationship between the the two. But to, to your point, th there's a there's a point in her autobiography that we'll eventually talk about where she she mentions she has the desire. So what Therese had was this intense desire. And Heather King talks about that uh, in her book. And I believe it's in the first chapter in the in the January. I think she talks about this this intense desire. So St. Therese is in a convent, but she wants to be like Joan of Arc. Well, she wants to be a missionary. She wants to go on crusade. She wants to save the world like Joan of Arc. And she had these very intense desires. And, you know, Heather King talks about that, the, the, uh, how those desires draw us out of our, you know, neuroses and, and, and anxieties. 
and bra- let us bravely push push forward. And, and one of the stories that she tells, and it's a story that's probably well known to a lot of listeners, is the "I choose all" story. And so, in yes. this in this anecdote, her um, one of her older sisters, um, Leonie, I believe, comes down with a, a basket of of material and trimmings and ribbons and, and whatnot, and she wants to give them away. She used to use them for her dolls, and so she offers them to her two younger sisters, Celine and. Therese. And so Celine modestly takes a ball of yarn or something. And Therese says, I choose all, you know, you just imagine her, she's grabbing the the basket and she says she wants all of it. And you know, why not? Her sister was offering it. And and so the point of it was that um, not just, not that she was greedy, but that she really, she was expansive and embracing the, the totality of the experience and, and, Therese would later look on that story and see in it her desire to be to to embrace all suffering, to embrace all love, to to not be a halfway saint as, as Heather King writes, but to to be um, to go after the the fullness of that experience. Yes, that's beautifully put. She she wanted she felt great desires and she wanted them all, and that's what she really was saying. With that example, it was so. It's a funny story, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't a greediness. It was. She really opened. You said expansive, and I love that. She really opened herself and said, "Jesus, you know, you're 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 giving me all of this. You're offering me all of this. And what do I choose? I choose it all. (laughs) And it's it's really. um, And 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 Amy, that that's isn't it kind of interesting because Heather King brings out, and you can read this in her other stories and other biographies and things, but Heather King brings up the fact that Therese was, I guess, uh, she, she had her issues, right? (laughs) She had her struggles. And, uh, so sometimes you can look back and say, well, she seemed like such a perfect young girl, but she, she really did struggle with you know, she calls she in, in, I think it was in the January section we're reading. She mentions her three phases. St. Therese does. She mentions her three phases. The first one was when she was very young up to about four, when her mother died and every, the world was perfect. So the world was just flowers and birds and, and, and everybody loved her. And she was the, the pet of the family. And then her mother passed away and that changed everything. And then she went into her dark period of, new sort of neuroses, you know, you might say anxiety. She literally made herself sick. So she, she took on, uh, it was a Pauline, I guess the oldest one, um, uh, for, uh, her mother or the second oldest one, I can't remember, but she took on one of the older sisters as her new mother. And then when she went into the convent later, Therese felt abandoned. So anyway, Therese had these she had these anxieties. She literally made herself sick. Uh, there's even an occasion and Heather King talks about it where she just would run into the wall repeatedly just to, she was really mentally, uh, a struggle period of, of her and, life that we're talking about. We want to point out it's between about the ages of four and 14. And so, uh, yeah. you know, this, this chapter is titled on ancient grievances and, and I think it's getting, it's looking at that, you know, the impact of those early, early experiences on the rest of our life. And many of us will, you know, can admit to having suffered at some point during our childhood and having, having those experiences continue to haunt us. 
Yeah, yeah. We, I, I thank you for pointing that out because no, I'm not talking about when she was older. I'm talking about as she was growing up. The, the again, the struggles that I think many of us had uh, of just different anxieties, maybe neuroses, maybe just I don't know who didn't have some sort of a struggle when when they were growing up, and she certainly did. Um, and so she, even to the point of being physically sick, and so. Uh, it's interesting because then you tell the story about her with the, I, I choose all there clearly, you know, grace was working in her and, you know, it's, it's, it, it almost seems as if that is if Jesus pulled her out of that through that sheer desire, she has such a holy desire that she really forced her way through you know, a, a lot of those, a lot of those issues. So we can identify with Therese. Um, and, and those of us who, who have struggled, uh, we can identify with, with her, her struggles as a child. Indeed. And then she, um, she, she emerges from that, that period, uh, and, and begin starts to, um, begin her, um, I guess her her ascent, uh, which is initially an ascent to Carmel, the convent, uh, which she would eventually join. But before getting there, she's got to really um, find her inner resources. Um, she's got to find a, a will, and and that's that's the the title of the the next chapter, um, the confluence of will and grace. This is the February chapter, and this chapter is about illness and healing. Do you want to say a couple? Of, uh, yeah. Well, he- yeah, Heather. Heather kind of transitions us through that 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 initial sort of introduction to Therese, which says that you know she did have these these different phases of her life as a young child. She did struggle tremendously. Um, she uh, struggled in ways that we we can identify with. But in as, as she transitions, as you just said, Amy, in, into that February uh, uh, reflection that she has, you know, she talks about that, that there's this paradox, I think is what she calls it. She calls it a paradox of Therese's life, which is on the one hand, she was kind of this typical young, I'm the pet of the family and, and I want to please everyone. I want to be obedient. I want everyone to congratulate me on being so wonderful and and obedient, a people pleaser to a certain degree. And hypersensitive as a result of that, because Therese was so focused on on that, that affection and the I, I, yes, excellent. Yeah, excellent point. Very hypersensitive is probably the the best way to to put it. And yet, on the other hand, she had an audaciousness about her. She was not going to be stopped. And this is really the paradox of her of her life. You know, they went to the the bishop. Now, now we're talking about when she's you know older, like when she's fifteen or so, fourteen or fifteen. And, you know, the, the bishop says, no, wait. And, and then, but she's, she's going to go straight. What I love about Therese, she's like, I'm, I'm going straight to the Pope. And so the family goes on a, on a, uh, on a pilgrimage to Rome and she and her, and at least a couple of her sisters go and she ends up kneeling before Pope Leo the 13th and requesting, can you please tell them to let me into Carmel? Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was kind of shocked by that. So 
he said, well, you know, if it's meant to be, if it's God's will, you know, what do you say when you're the Pope and this young girl comes up and she, she's like not done with that. She's staying. And, and she wanted a clear answer. They finally had to pick her up and like physically remove her from the, um, from the feet of the, of the Pope. And so what that points out is what uh, Heather talks about this paradox that on the one hand, she had that thing that a lot of us have that people pleasing need that need for affirmation of how good we are, uh, that many of us feel, but then this, just this holy desire that gave her a certain audaciousness. And, and that's, that's really the paradox. And, and I wonder if that iron will wasn't the, the fruit or the grace following her severe illness. So when her, um, I guess when her sister Pauline did enter the convent, she had like a six week bout of extreme neurosis and, and we don't really know what it was, but it, it was debilitating. And, um, you know, well, we, we, we say, Amy, we talk about neurosis. I use that uh, word. And I think Heather, I think Heather uses it from time to time. And, and we want, I think the listeners know we, we mean that with a certain sort of generosity. Yes. It's, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's a word I throw out when I don't know what to use, but just that hypersensitivity, that people pleasing. Psychological suffering, yeah. whatever, whatever the source of it, we don't know. Uh, ex- exactly. She, she suffered psychological, you know, psychological, mental, spiritual anguish. Um, and who can't identify with that? I think everybody in today's world suffers through a certain level of psychological, emotional, spiritual anguish. And, and so a lot of times I throw out that word, I'll say neurosis or something. It's, I'm not talking about a, a diagnosed case. Sure. I'm, we're, like you said, Amy, let's really talk about those, those mental interior challenges and anxiety. But, but she had a miraculous recovery from that. And that, that's another well-known story that our listeners are probably familiar with the story of the um, statue of the, the blessed Virgin Mary and her sisters praying for her and Trez seeing this the statue smile at her and just the, the beauty of our lady's um, loving presence healed her uh, all, all at once. And so I think from that, it, it did give her a reservoir. You know, there was a reservoir of grace that she was able to draw upon later in life that did give her that, that level of determination. And um, as we said, that iron will. Yeah. And there's, there's a, um, there's a quote that uh, Heather talks about in here. Um, She says, I too, this is Heather King speaking, says, I too had experienced situations from which there seemed to be no escape. I too had been in the grip of a kind of dark night that seemed impervious to all reason, all human help, all prayer. Grace is needed, and yet grace also seems most likely to appear, as it happened in my case, when from the depths of our heart we cry out our misery and ask for help. And I think that's a that's a beautiful quote uh, that, again, I think many of us can identify with. And I think Heather, one of her main goals in that open, particularly in the opening chapter, in, in January is to point out that we, we're not alone. Therese is not separate from us. She's not hovering over us in heaven going, Oh, you know, don't, you know, don't feel pain because I had such a perfect life. Not, not at all. Not at all. She, she's, 
she struggled immensely with those th- those sort of dark nights and intense sufferings that you know may- maybe she wasn't an alcoholic or or something like that but that's not the point the point is that she shared in our in our suffering and the particularities of our suffering are not really the important point the important point is that she's she's really a saint whom we can all uh, gravitate to as someone who one way or the other had that interior suffering. In, in season one, we talked no. a lot about the dome of oppression. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing. You know, it takes many shapes and forms in, in our various lives and in our individual well, lives, but in one form or another, that dark night, that dome of impression that, you know, it, it comes to, um, to, uh, to attack us. Yeah. And, and that is where the, these lives of the saints can help us. They're like a lifeline. Yeah. And and I I think that's when you, when I talk about the inversion, that the beauty of of the seeing these, the two saints and the reason that we're doing, you know, St. Joan and St. Therese is, you know, stop and think about it again, what we know about Joan. I mean, imagine what she had to have suffered when she was in prison (laughs) And, and, and imagine during her inquisitional trial now, the thing is, we we have her words from the trial, and we have the testimony of her friends. What we don't have with Joan is an autobiography, mm-hmm. <laughs> and an autobiography that speaks to, like, her yes. journal. So we have her words. We have, we have notarized testimony, so we know what happened. Therese, see, to me, Therese is, is, is a different person. It's, it's, she's not the same person, but there is a certain sort of, um, there's a connection, a spiritual connection that makes them sort of of the same nature to, to a certain degree. And so with Therese, we have some indication of that exterior life, but we have her autobiography and that is a remarkable thing. Now in, in one of her uh, in her book on the pious recreations, cause you can get the book. Uh, we'll have to put the link up for, uh, Therese's book, but it was mentioned by, you know, one of the commentators that th- this is exactly what you're getting when she does that is she's interpreting her life through the life of St. Joan of Arc. And in a sense, we're almost seeing a more true picture of, of both of the saints so it's it's a it's a remarkable relationship, and um, so when I say the kind of the inversion, I think you you're, you're kind of looking at much of the same, but from a different perspective. Indeed. And we're going to explore um, more about that and and how those two hearts together are really an inspiration to us um, as we as we go through this season and, and through Heather King's book. So we're, <laughs> we're coming up on the end of today's episode, but we've got a couple of, uh, we got a couple of things. Um, we still, we still want to look at our reflective questions to help listeners apply these, these lessons and these concepts to their own lives. So Walter, do you want to give us your question? Sure. The reflective question that I have is, you know, how do you connect with, for the listener, how do you connect with St. Therese? as she was a seemingly protected, sheltered young girl. And, you know, in what ways do you identify? In what ways does Heather King's book help you identify 
more closely with St. Therese, uh, given your own struggles uh, in, in life? So I think that's, that's a good reflection. Yeah, that really gets uh, to the heart of, of what we're doing. My question is specifically about the I choose all story. Are you more restrained like Celine, who took the you know, little ball of yarn? Or are you expansive like Therese? Do you take the whole basket? If, if you're not, if we're not expansive like Therese, what is standing in the way spiritually of our, of our wanting to have and give more in our lives? Awesome question. So, well, I'll have to think about yeah, that. I, know. <laughs> I, I definitely think I'm the type of person that takes the little um, ball of yarn. So, uh, what, you know, what can I learn from Therese uh, to, to be, to have, to, to make more room in my heart to, to, to give and receive more? Well, that's, that's fantastic. Well, That'll give the listeners uh, something to ponder. And I think, Amy, as we're closing out, I think you, I think you have a closing yes. prayer, don't you, from, 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 uh, from yeah, Heather? Yeah, so we want to point out that um, each one of these um, reflections, uh, with, you know, the chapters in the book, ends with a, a beautiful prayer that was penned by Heather King. And they just, it's, it's another way to um, really think more deeply uh, about Therese's life and, and what it can mean for us in our own spiritual journeys. So I'm going to read the prayer from February, the, the second chapter. It reads almost like a litany. For those of us whose minds tend to run in obsessive ruts, for those of us with the impulse to manage and control, for those of us who can't stop taking our emotional temperature, for those of us who tend to hoard money and love, for those of us who think we know best, for those of us who tend to strive for straight A's on some cosmic report card, for those of us who are disciplined, sometimes to a fault, for those of us who have difficulty forgiving ourselves and difficulty forgiving others, for those of us who didn't make it, St. Therese, pray for us. Amen. What a, what a beautiful prayer. I love trying to make straight A's on some cosmic uh, scorecard. And in a touching way, I really appreciate Heather. She, she poignantly, she never forgets those who didn't make it. it. And I think that's something the listeners will enjoy as they read her book is she, she always remembers and, and ponders the mystery that we're not able to answer as to why some people make it and some people don't. And um, with that, we'll be back again next week and we'll be reading and discussing chapters three and four in Heather King's book, Short of Flame, and uh, that those correspond with the months of March and April. So until we meet again. Excellent. Amy, thank you very much. That was a lot of fun. Have a great week. Bye-bye. We'll sign off for now. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover enchantment and adventure, With St. Joan and St. Therese, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us at heroic-hearts.com.